Welcome to Faith Church Online. Thank you so much for checking us out. Our prayer is that you are blessed by this message. Just want to share with you something that's been burning on my heart for a few months now. When drop, when drop, when God dropped a thought in my heart. Just want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. The church at Corinth was in a right state. We'll touch on a couple of things here in this passage, but there were people getting drunk at communion. There was incest, chaos with the gifts of the Spirit. In fact, some of the stuff Paul touches on here is quite light in this passage. But brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly. Mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? And every time I read that passage there in Corinthians, It's like God gets a highlighter out, he puts it up in Word on his computer, he enlarges the font, he puts it in bold and underlines it because there's two phrases in there that give me a good kick in the pants every time I read it. Mere men. Because the problem with a lot of us as Christians is that we act as mere men. Just normal men and normal women. Let's have a look at the next picture. We got it up? Yeah. Anyone know what that is? It's a blue box. And it's the, what is it, Christine? It's the TARDIS. I thought she was going to say it then because as soon as she saw it, she went like that. What is it? It's the TARDIS. Now, when somebody goes into the TARDIS, what is their first reaction? Always. People go into the TARDIS, they see a blue box like that. That's quite small, just a few metres by a few metres. And they go in. And their first reaction is, it's bigger on the inside. And that's the way a lot of people view Christianity. They see it as something small, something restrictive, something confined. You know, you go to church, they just give you a load of rules. You've got to put money in the offering. You've got to go every Sunday morning. And they just see being a Christian as just a small, insignificant thing. But a few months ago, God dropped a phrase into my heart. I'd never read it, and just God dropped it into my heart because I used to love Doctor Who. And God dropped the thought in my heart of what I call TARDIS Christianity. That when you become a Christian, you find out that what God has done for you, who Jesus is, what being a Christian is, it's much bigger on the inside than it looks on the outside. When we begin to understand what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, when we understand the hope that he's given us, we find out that the life he's given us is much bigger on the inside than it looks to people on the outside. What I want to do this morning is just share two foundational truths that make up to me this idea, this concept of TARDIS Christianity. Let's have a look at the next verse, please. It's Ephesians 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, 
by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus, the believers who are in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul says here two very important things about the people he's writing a letter to. Number one, they had a geographical location, the place where they lived. In this instance, Ephesus in Turkey. But then they also had a spiritual location in Christ Jesus. So no matter where you are, no matter where you're from, no matter where you're going, the most important thing about you isn't where you live, isn't the demographic makeup of where you live, but the vital thing for each one of us this morning is, are we in Christ Jesus? Ephesus, we read in the book of Acts, was a place full of occult activity. It was full of idols. It had got one of the seven wonders of the world, the big statue of Artemis, the goddess. And people worshipped all kinds of other gods with all kinds of other stuff going on. But Paul writes to the church and says, okay, you're living in Ephesus, but the most important thing about you isn't that you live in Ephesus, isn't that you live in Newport, isn't that you live in Risca, isn't that you come up from Tisain, isn't that you live maybe in the deprived valleys or somewhere. The important thing about you is not your geographical location, but your spiritual location of being in Christ Jesus because when you become a Christian you don't just get forgiven and a free get out of hell free card and you go to heaven when you die but God comes into your life and God takes hold of you and he links you inseparably with Jesus and the phrase we keep on coming across in Paul's letters especially of things like this to the believers who are in Christ Jesus. And I think it's over a hundred times you come across it in the New Testament that the Christian isn't just someone who's forgiven, but that's someone who is in Christ Jesus. But if all we ever see ourselves is someone who's forgiven, one day I'm going to heaven, thank God I'm not going to hell anymore, then we'll just live as mere men. And our concept of Christianity would be like that TARDIS, where it's small and confined. But God wants to open our eyes and open our understanding so that we see we are in Christ Jesus. Verses like 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, that's that phrase, in Christ, so it applies to Anyone who is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. So whether you're placed at a place like Corinth, where they would got all kinds of fertility prostitutes at the temple, whether you're in a place like Ephesus, where it's full of the occult, where you're in the deprived South Wales valleys or Newport or wherever you're from, the important thing is you're now in Christ Jesus, you're a new creation, and the old has gone. So when you become a Christian, doesn't matter what baggage you bring to Jesus when you become a Christian, all things become new.
Now the process of living it out, the process of becoming that new person in day-to-day life takes time. As we see with the people at Corinth, they were still arguing, quarrelling. Some of them were getting drunk. Some of them had got all kinds of issues in their life. But the fact of the matter is, they were new creation people. They're born again people. They're in Christ Jesus people. So that's why Paul can write letters like Romans. And in Romans chapter 6, he says, because you're in Christ Jesus, you've died to sin. You've been given new life in Jesus. So no matter what's been holding you back as a Christian, Paul can confidently write to people and say, look, those things can be in the past now. You can start living as a new person because that's what you are. You are a new person. You're a born-again person. So the important thing about you isn't who your parents were, isn't your bank account, isn't what exam results you got. And probably some of you sitting here this morning are waiting until the middle of August when you get your exam results come through. But that's not the defining thing. Whatever the email says, is it the 15th of August? Whatever the sign at the college or the school says, when you read through it, that's not the defining thing about you. The defining thing about you this morning is, are you in Christ Jesus? Because that's the thing that's to shape your life. Not whether you can put answers on a paper. Not whether you've got lots of money in the bank. Not whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're old or young. The important thing about you is, are you in Christ Jesus. So what's going to shape you this week? Are we going to go through this week living as mere men? Forgiven people? Because you'll get some people today, they'll turn up to church today, they'll confess their sins. And then they'll go out this week and go and do exactly the same things. Because they're living as mere men. But God doesn't want us to live as mere men. He wants us to live as in Christ Jesus, men and women. So wherever we go, we know that Jesus is with us. Jesus is in us and I'm in Jesus. So because of that, I'm going to live differently. Then the other thing is, apart from being in Jesus, people, God wants us to be the Holy Spirit in us, people. So Jesus in us and the Holy Spirit in us. Let's have a look at the next verse, please. It's 1 John 4, verse 4. John the Apostle writes, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. I tell you, if you get a verse like that and stick it in your pocket and carry it around all week, you won't be living as me at men. You'll be living as someone where the greater one's in me. The Holy Spirit is in me. John the Apostle says, because we're Christians, because we've got the Holy Spirit within us, we can go against the flow. We can be different We don't have to lose our shape as Christians and let the world try and conform us and change us. But we can be bold enough to be different because we know 
the greater one is in us. We can be the kind of people who start to pray things like, God, we want your kingdom to come. We want your will to be done. And as it's in heaven, God, be in my mind, be in my heart, be in my desires this week. So it's not just the kingdom of God coming around us, but, oh, God, your kingdom come in my heart. Your will be done in my heart. God, my thoughts that are often so trashy and so below what you want. God, let the kingdom of God come into my thinking and shape my personality and shape my attitude. I remember some years ago when Lynn and I were missionaries out in Thailand. We came back to the UK and we had to go and visit the churches who were supporting us and praying for us. And I think we just got Corin at the time and Corin was, you know, about that high, just young. So Lynn stayed at her mum and dad's while I went up to just over a week's worth of meetings in the north of England. And the one Sunday night, I preached at a church northeast of England and I was going to stay overnight. Every night it was living out of a suitcase because, you know, preaching at a different meeting each week, basically, each night, basically. So after the Sunday night meeting, pastor introduced me to an elderly woman in the church and said, Phil, this is, call her Gladys, you're going to stay with Gladys. You know, she's going to give you a bed for the night. And then I was going to move on somewhere else on the Tuesday because there was no meeting on the Monday night. So I went back to Gladys's house after the meeting. And Gladys, she made me a pile of sandwiches. She'd bake cakes and there were cups of tea and we got talking and everything. And the night was drawing on. And she looked at her watch and she said, right, it was a big Victorian house, you know, big three-story ones, you know, where I think it's still got, you know, the shutter windows, you know, the windows you pull up and down, that rattle in the wind and everything. It looked just the part for what I'm going to tell you next. Because you told me, it was just her in the house, in this big Victorian house. And she said, yeah, you're on the top floor, Phil. You go down the corridor, oh, yeah. That's the corridor with the stain on the floor where some people have said they walk past that stain and it changes into a face. But, yeah. And you're in the bedroom at the end. That's the haunted bedroom. There's people who have stayed in that room before and said they've seen a little goblin at the bottom of the bed. Oh, well, time for bed now. <laughs> so I go up to bed and I'm, like, looking at this stain on the floor as I'm walking past it. Still a stain. I go to bed. Does anyone know who Chad is? You know, the little guy who peeps over the top of the wall like that. I was like that all night with the duvet. I hardly ever slept a wink. I was in fear and trembling of this goblin who was going to pop up at the bottom of my bed. I just, I was so tired that Monday morning. I was like, ah, there's a goblin in the bedroom. The next night, the Monday night, I went to bed. I thought, you idiot. <laughs> Phil, <laughs> the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You've got the Holy Spirit in you. So even if there is a goblin at the bottom of your bed, the one who's in you is greater than any goblin that could be at the bottom of your bed. So I went to bed that night. I just, right, I'm switching off the lights. I'm going to sleep because Jesus is with me. The Holy Spirit was in me click I'm off. and I slept like a log didn't see any goblins but the fear 
of what could have been there is what got me. But God wants us to know that the Holy Spirit in us and with us is far greater, far more powerful than anything that could come against us this week. Let's have a look at the next picture, please. A few years ago, I went to see some car racing. It wasn't Formula One. It was much better than that. It was stock car racing. Has anyone ever been stuck to the stock car race? I thought you would have done. Anyhow, they've got these stock cars. They're going around a figure of eight track. And they don't slow down when they get to the crossroads. They just got the foot flat to the floor and they're going around, crashing into each other, rolling over and everything. And I'm there looking. It's the first time I'd ever been to anything like this. I'm like, wow, this is so cool. My dad went with us and, hey, we're going to the races. Better put our best clothes on. So my dad put his suit on. We were right at the front. He was getting all the splatter of the dust and the dirt on him and everything. But I saw these cars going around a figure of eight track. I thought, I had a Mini at the time. If I got into my little Mini and tried that, you know, first hit at the crossroads, I'd be out the race. You know, my car would be dented, the engine would be steaming, you know, I'd be on the roof or something. How come these stock cars can go around this figure of eight track, bump into each other, roll over, take the knocks, take the bumps, and still go on and finish the race. It's because they've got something like that. Does anyone know what that is? A roll cage. What it is, is inside the car, they've got a steel frame. A steel frame on the inside of the car that is greater than any pressure or force that comes against them from the outside of the car. My Mini hadn't got one of those. Lynn Skoda hasn't got one of those, and my Zafira hasn't got one of those. So if we get hit, we get hit, and we're out the race. But a car like that, because it's got a roll bar cage in, something comes against it and bumps into it. It carries on. Might get a few dents on the outside, but it carries on racing. It rolls over. It carries on racing. It finishes the race because it's got a roll bar cage in it. And God wants us to know this morning that we're going to finish the race because we've got the one who is greater living within us. Not a steel cage, but the Holy Spirit himself who created the universe. So whatever comes against us, whether it's a goblin at the foot of the bed, whether it's a situation you're facing this week, whether it's a sickness in the family, whether it's panic attacks, whether it's fear, maybe you've had occult dealings in the past and you wonder if those things are going to turn around and bite you now. God wants you to know that the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The Holy Spirit is within us. So let's go back to that verse we looked at at the beginning in Corinthians. Paul's talking there about mere men. And if all we see our Christianity is as something small, we get forgiven 
we go to heaven when we die, then it doesn't matter how I live. God will forgive me. I'll just go back to God. He'll wash my sins away. I can go out and do the same thing. I'll get to heaven because God loves me. And we'll live like mere men, if that's our attitude. But God wants each one of us to rise above being mere men, mere women, mere teenagers. So we can't blame it on our hormones. We can't blame it on... It's just the way life is. Because we're now in Christ Jesus, people. Who likes Marvel films? Yeah, I know there's some people on the back row there who like their Marvel films. There's the X-Men with the X gene. You know, they're like these new mutants in the earth because they're like the new evolution of the human being. That's fiction. But what is fact? is that there are now new creation people on the face of this earth. People who are not just to live as mere men, mere women. Not because we've got the X gene in us, but because we've got the Holy Spirit within us. Because we are in Jesus. So that we're Ever we go, as David said in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I've got it all together? No, because you're with me. Because God's with me. Because Jesus is with me. Because the Holy Spirit is with me. So can I leave you just this morning with two questions? Number one, are you in Jesus? Do you know that you know that you know that you are inseparably linked with Jesus? Not just you've joined a church, but you've become joined with Jesus. Because if you don't really know that, then this is just theory. But you need to take, as it were, a step inside the TARDIS and you can go, wow, this is bigger on the inside that it looks this is wonderful this Christianity it's not just being forgiven it's new life it's new motivations it's new purpose it's new family it's a new father it's a new hope but then as well do you know the reality of the Holy Spirit in your life because the people Paul wrote to here in Corinth were people, in spite of all their messed up lives, in spite sometimes of their dodgy theology, because some of them didn't even believe that Jesus was coming back again, the Holy Spirit was in them to help them, to change them, to empower them. Can I ask you this morning, be honest with yourself, not be honest with me, but maybe we need to go before God and say, God, I don't really know what it is for the Holy Spirit to be throbbing and alive and real and relevant in my heart. Because that's what the people in the Bible had. And if that's what the people in the Bible had, then God, I want that as well. God, I don't want to live this week as a mere man. During the worship last week, Buffy got up and said, I can just really sense the presence of God here, you know, because, and it happened again this morning when Mike said, 
let's sing how great is our God. And there's times in the meeting where you can sense it. And it's not just me being spooky, but I know other people can sense it because I know where the meeting goes up a gear. And God gave me a word, but I didn't get a chance to, sh- I didn't share the word last week. But basically what God dropped in my heart this week was for years, we've been listening to something whispering in our ear saying, don't touch the red button. Because you know in the films, you know, you've got the red button and you know, if you Press the red button, nuclear missiles get launched, you know, the world goes on self-destruct. And you've got a whisper in your ear saying, don't touch the red button, don't, don't go down that avenue, don't go down there. But God's saying to us this morning, press the red button. I urge you with everything you've got to press the red button, to go up another gear, to go up a bit higher. To stop living as a mere man. To stop living as a normal, humdrum, everyday person. But to start living as one of these Jesus, in Christ Jesus, Holy Spirit indwelt kind of people. That we're not afraid to take the meeting up to another gear and saying, Jesus, we're going to lift up your name now. Because at the name of Jesus, and when we lift his name up, we just know, yeah, there's freedom here. There's liberty here because we've got the greater one within us. We've got the Holy Spirit within us. In the Old Testament, when God gave the law, God said to his people, I'm setting before you today life or death, blessing or curse. Choose life. And I believe it's the same for each one of us here today. God's given us a choice this week. We can live as mere men and we'll get to heaven and we'll walk the streets of gold. Or we can say, no, I want something more than that. I want to step into this TARDIS and realise that this Christianity is so much bigger than I ever realised. We've just scratch the surface this morning but there's enough there to blow our minds to fill our lives and to cause us to be the kind of people where friends at work other students people at the shops who see us they'll eventually come to us and say what is it about you What is it about you? You take the knocks. You take the bumps. Like that car going round in the stock car race. But you keep on keeping on. And you don't have to go into all the theology about it. You can just say, it's because I've got Jesus with me. He's my strength. He's my rock. He's my helper. He's the one who's my security. So this week... Are we going to live as mere men, mere women, mere teenagers? Are we going to live as these new creation in Christ Jesus, Holy Spirit-filled people? Hey, thanks again for checking out Faith Church Online. We'd love it if you could subscribe to be notified when we release a new podcast. You can find out more of what's happening by going to at Faith Church Wales on social media or by heading to faithchurch.wales.